Welcome to the Amy Williams Show. I am your host, Amy Williams, and this is season two. I'm so excited. And here I'm all about motivating and encouraging strong Christian businesswomen. I want you to know that whatever you may be facing in your life, you're not alone. Successes and failures are shared here, and not just by me, but by incredible guest speakers as well. So glad you found this podcast. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Amy Williams Show. I am your host, Amy Williams, and I'm super excited to introduce to you the one, the only, Jenna DeLulio. She is a social media influencer that tags herself as a sober makeup mentor. Her goal is to end the stigma with addiction in a lighthearted way, all while inspiring others with mindset, fashion, and beauty. Jenna, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's my, I'm the one that is honored with your presence. I'm so excited. I, I fell in love with you within like two minutes of following you on Instagram. I'm a huge fan. Oh, you're so um, sweet. I don't know if you know this, but I used to also sell makeup a uh, long time ago. Top, no way. And yes, um, it's a past life. We don't talk about it much, but um yeah, I love makeup, but I also well, I can tell your eyeshadow. <laughs> your eyeshadow game today is just on point. <laughs> uh, my daughter picked out my colors. I wanted Aww. to do a light pink. She's like, "No, mom, you have to do blue." And I'm like, yeah. mm. "Well, you know, it fits because it matches that, you know, the whole decor." So, thank you, thank you. I'll have to tell her, like, <laughs> you know, Jenna, she liked your eye color choices. <laughs> So yes, and I have my cosmetology license, so I used to do wedding hair and makeup and all that. So I'm a big fan, but um, it's not about me. Today, it's about you. So <laughs> talk about yourself. Let's get to know you in the current Jenna life right now. Yeah, so I am a social media content creator. Really, um, I feel like one of the things that has helped immensely with social media just in general now that I've taken full advantage of is the reels. And so that's where I, um, I like to create the lighthearted, um, educational reels to show addiction, specifically alcoholism and, um, red flags or things that I was dealing with or ways that my life has since changed now in a positive light. But, um, yeah, I started my social media account, eh, probably like three and a half years ago. I was, um, you know, just in the, in the beginning stages of my recovery and in that year, that whole year, I remember going online, I'd go on Instagram, I'd go on Facebook, um, or just the internet in general, and try to find someone that was around my age, that was living a sober life that looked like they were still having fun, and they were still in social settings. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find someone that I was like, could get inspired by. The only two people I could find were Steve-O from Jackass and Mike, the situation. And I struggled with that a lot. It made me feel isolated because even like none of my friends weren't drinking either. Like it was, it's very much in our society, drinking is everywhere. And I remember when I got to be around like six months sober, I 
I thought I'm going to share, I'm going to share just a little bit about what my life has been like for the past six months. So I created a post and I did kind of like a side by side and I shared that I had made some health changes. One of them was that I eliminated alcohol from my life. And I remember getting the, this overwhelming support and love and curiosity and questions about you know, why I started this in the first place and how I made it six months without drinking. And um, that really catapulted me to realize there was a gap there. There was a gap where a lot of people aren't talking about it. And so I just continued to share more and more. Now, luckily, a lot more people are starting to talk about it. There's several, especially women in the sober community, that are bringing awareness to this, but it is hard because so I feel like mental health, um, happy mental health awareness month, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> mental health in general still has such a stigma around it, but mm-hmm. especially addiction has an, a major stigma around it. So it's hard for a lot of people to open up and share their story and be very vulnerable because of the stigma that still is surrounding it. Oh, absolutely. You, you're hitting it right on. So when, when you say you started through, so your sobriety journey, you have been sober for three years then. Yeah. Right? So in November of this year will be four years. Congratulations. Crazy. Thank awesome. you. <laughs> so why don't you kind of rewind back a little bit further mm-hmm. so that we can get to know you a little better. So when you like, just give us some history of you. Yeah. Um, so I, do you want me to start like how far back? I well, mean, you I were born. Go, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, we can go real far. <laughs> I think we, I think maybe we start with like when you started drinking, like yeah. how did that start? And, and then maybe go into the, how it tumbled and, and maybe that part. So the irony of this is that, um, In my family, there is a ton of addiction. And so addiction is not only like you become a part of your environment. It's a part of the environment that you grew up in or something very traumatic could happen to you that could cause an addiction to spiral, but it's also genetics. And within my family, it goes so far back. I can't, I couldn't even be able to trace it if I tried. And it was a very much a part of what I saw in my childhood. And I remember being in high school, people would be going out and going to parties. And I would say, absolutely not. I'm never going to drink. This is like, I've seen alcohol affect my family and it's affected my life in traumatic ways. I'm not going to do that. And I didn't drink, have like my first night of drinking until I was like a sophomore in college. But even that first time that I drank alcohol, I drank until I blacked out, which is very weird because I doubt that very many people do that. Like some people will just have a sip or have a drink of alcohol. And for me, I drank I like a bottle of wine or a bottle and a half of wine the very first time that I drank. So 
throughout college, it's very normalized for people to binge drink until they black out and they don't remember Mm -hmm. things. So it was extremely hard for me to identify during that time because it kind of was like what everybody was doing and it was so socially acceptable. Right. So in through my college years in my early twenties, after I graduated, I started bartending. And I think that's where it totally escalated because I had gotten this job where I waitressed at a sports bar and it was encouraged to drink with your customers. So I could go to work and get drunk at work. And which is not a good recipe, which is not a good recipe (laughs) at all. And, um, so I would just go to work any day that I went to work, I would be taking shots with people. I would be leaving obliterated, buying them for you. So you're not necessarily going broke in the process. Yeah. Then after I was working in the bar, I ended up getting a job at a pharmaceutical company where I just kind of worked um, during the week, but I still kept bartending on the weekends. And this was probably around 2011, 2012, a gentleman came in from the oil and gas field. So at this time in West Virginia, where I'm originally from, there was an oil boom that was going on and people were going and getting into this business because they started drilling oil in West Virginia. And this guy came into the bar and he said, I could get you a job and you could be making a lot of money. I thought I want to make a lot of money. So I took this job in the oil field, which is crazy. I was driving like a Ford F-350 with like an extended bed. I wore FR coveralls, a steel toe boots, a hard hat. I can just vision it right now. Like <laughs> you need to do a reel with your, your old job to now. <laughs> just- and it was very interesting because it's obviously a male dominated field that I was mm-hmm. in. But one time it was a year and a half into the job. I had a group of guys that I work with come down And they helped me unload all this equipment that I needed loaded into my storage unit. And while they were down, they said, take, take us out and show us around town in in West Virginia. So they came out, we went to the sports bar that I used to work at and we drank. And when, when it was time to go, I said, I don't know if I should drive my truck. And they said, don't worry, we'll follow you. We'll make sure that you make it home safe. Okay. And I had, um, one of them rode with me in my truck and then my manager and another guy were following behind and right at the top of this hill where there's a winding turn, my phone lit up on my center console and I looked down and I flipped the truck four times into a ditch. And I, a lot of people would consider that a rock bottom moment. Luckily, by the grace of God, I, everybody walked away with no serious injuries. Um, but I didn't have any other tools in my toolbox for coping except for alcohol. That's the only Mm. way that I knew how to cope. So I continued to drink after that to numb my feelings of depression, because of course I lost my job. I clearly lost my vehicle because it was, it was crumbled up into a ball. Um, 
I couldn't afford to live by myself anymore. So I had to move in with my parents and that was a very low, low, low point for me, but I still kept drinking in my parents' basement. And at the time, then I was working at Joe's Crab Shack, which I will say, I just have to say, if you've ever worked at Joe's Crab Shack, I've worked several manual labor jobs in my life. Hands down, the hardest job I've ever worked at was Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> it was hard work, I will tell you. That's awesome. Um, so my boyfriend and I at the time, he's my husband now, he got into school down here in Virginia and we moved in 2015. And um, I don't know if, I don't know what, if I would have ever gotten sober if I didn't leave West Virginia, because I had, you know, you become a product of your environment and I didn't have a chance to, be alone and get to know myself while I was in West Virginia. Virginia kind of did two things. It escalated my addiction because I was much more isolated. I didn't have friends or family here. So I would drink just by myself on the back porch, easy two bottles of wine a night and smoke cigarettes the whole time. Um, and I was able to see that this wasn't just a social thing that I was doing. It was deeper than that. So in 2016, the summer of 2016, my parents came down and um, I love my dad so much. My dad is sober now. He's been sober for um, almost two years and he got sober after I did. But while they were here, my dad and I drank together the whole time that, that my parents were here. And I was able to, it was like looking into a mirror. It was like this person that I said I would never become, I am. Mm. I am this person now. Mm -hmm. So I went, started going to therapy and the therapist immediately was able to identify. She said, like, how often are you drinking? How much are you drinking? And I decided to just be honest for the first time in my life. Cause Good for I, would, you. I would go to, you know, you go to the doctor to get your yearly checkup and they're like, do you drink? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. a couple of drinks on the week. And do you smoke? Times a week. Yeah. <laughs> do you smoke? I'd be like, no, I don't smoke. I clearly was smoking every time that I was drinking, which was a lot. So I, but I would be like, no, I don't smoke. Um, <laughs> So after that, um, it was hard. It was, I mean, it's not easy to quit something as much as I would want, as much as I would say, I'm really, I'm going to do it this time. I would still wake up on Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Monday morning saying, when is this merry-go-round going to stop? When am I going to actually quit it? Like how, when am I going to do it? Why do you keep doing this to yourself? And, um, it took like all of that year. So I don't know why November 3rd, I went out with some girlfriends. We had a wine night. It wasn't anything that was super crazy, but I woke up the next day, ran a 5k, which was very typical behavior for me because I wanted this life. I had this vision of what I wanted my life to be and what I wanted people to think my life was but I wasn't truly living that vision. And I woke up, I ran a 5k and I thought I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it a week. And I told my husband and, um, 
I made it a week and then I made it two weeks and then I made it a month, two months. And now here we are today. That's incredible. It's incredible. Thank you. I think um, when I think of someone who is sober and they're celebrating their sobriety, I always think like, oh, they must've hit a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh, they must've like, you know, one, I think their story must be incredible, which yours is in its own way, right? Everybody has their own story. But I always think like, oh man, they must've like just, and I think it's incredible to hear you say like, you think this would be rock bottom, but it wasn't. And then there's this, and then there's this. And then it's just like light bulb. Just, yeah. I just decided today's the day. And so I don't think, I think it's really, it's really encouraging for other people who are listening, who are struggling to say, oh, I'm not at rock bottom yet. So I don't have to, like, yeah. you don't have to wait for rock bottom. You can say, nope, today's the day. Yeah. It's love that. Yeah. You totally, you don't have to wait until this earth shattering moment because what I don't think a lot of people don't understand that I didn't fully understand until I went to therapy and I really got to educate myself is alcoholism is progressive. So no one wakes up one day and, and just starts drinking every single day of their life. It goes from one day to two days a week, to three days, to four days, to then you eventually build up to whenever you're a functioning alcoholic or you're drinking most days or nights of the week. And The sooner that you can get ahead of that, the easier that it is. The sooner that you can identify, then the easier your journey is. And I feel very lucky that I was at the age of 32 whenever I finally was able to grasp that I was losing control. So now if we fast forward to where you're at now and and you're looking back, Hmm. I you must be incredibly proud for one, but do you look back and go, I miss this, or I miss not necessarily about the alcohol, but maybe the lifestyle or the social part. I'm assuming you've changed a few friends or you've lost friends along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Maybe that's a wrong assumption, but no, I love this question because I think too, um, it's important to talk about that. I loved alcohol. Like that's why it became a problem. Cause like, I loved it so much. There are, there are times when I still miss alcohol. There definitely are times. Um, it's funny because my husband, uh, he's wrapping up his PhD, uh, right now he's finishing up his dissertation and one of his classmates is in the UFC. And she actually asked me this the other night at dinner And I said, the longer it goes, the easier it is for me to, I still have temptations. I still have cravings for alcohol, but I know where my life will be. If I give in to those temptations and cravings, Mm -hmm. I know how absolutely sweet and wonderful my life is now without it. And she compared it to, it's probably like me whenever I am training for a fight And I have to be on a strict diet where I'm eating just vegetables and meats and like very Mm -hmm. simple carbs that someone's eating French fries around me or someone's eating ice cream or these things that I really, really want and I can't have. And I said, absolutely. It's the same thing. You have to have a level of self-control that you do develop, but there are, um, it was probably about two months ago. So I don't eat meat. Um, 
my, my husband does, but I gave up me ironically at the same time that I gave up alcohol. Hmm. I watched what the health on Netflix. Have you ever seen it? Don't watch it. If I you haven't. Like <laughs> don't watch it. I'm if you a like keto me. girl. So don't, <laughs> don't watch it. <laughs> but no, thanks. <laughs> so, um, one, it was like a hot day down. I live in Virginia. It was like 85 degrees out and we were going grocery shopping. And I told my husband, I am, you're going to think there's something wrong, but I'm craving beef stew right now. And he's like, you are so strange. (laughs) It's 85 degrees out and this is what you're craving. So we get all the ingredients to make this stew. And I, I made it by myself. And one of the ingredients was wine. And I thought I will be fine putting a little bit of wine in. It's fine. The, the act of me opening up a wine bottle, taking that foil off, putting the cork in because wine is really what I drank all of the time Mm -hmm. and hearing that cork pop and smelling Mm -hmm. that wine was so triggering for me that Mm -hmm. I know like it was a learning moment. I knew I I'll never be able to do this again. If there's something that I would ha- I would have to have my husband do it or we'll just admit it all together. But you ha- have to learn along the way of like what's what's going to trigger you and that totally did. Um, but other than that, I would say almost, I hate to even say this, but the feeling, like the feeling of the first sip, I will say, because mm. you feel that, I can feel it still like a warmth and like a little bit of a head rush and you feel loose. But then after that, for me as an addict, I lose control. Mm -hmm. Um, My therapist said this to me and it, after she said this, it was my first realization that I really, really had a serious problem. She said, this is how alcoholism works. The man takes a drink then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes the man. And that for mm-hmm. me described perfectly the way that it worked. Cause after I took a sip, I lost all control and I gave it to alcohol and I could never have enough of it. Mm-hmm. I could never drink enough. It would be to the point of blacking out, but I would say those are probably maybe the two things, but my life is so much sweeter without it. I laugh harder than I ever have. I I used to think alcohol made me like this fun party, like, oh, I'm the life of the party, this fun party girl. But when I think back to those times that I thought I was the fun party girl, I had people taking care of me, people putting me in a wheelchair to take me out of somewhere or Mm. me like throwing up in places or picking fights with people. And now, I have complete control over who I am in a social setting. And so that's what makes it better. I think that's the tricky part about alcohol in general. It's like, it makes you have this certain invincibility or like, oh, I'm this person now. And, you know, and I went through a short stage of after my mom passed and I all I did was drink. Mm -hmm. So I can totally relate to that. Um, I just, I went out to the bar six nights a week. I spent too much money. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it was ridiculous, but it was all I could, that's the only, you, you said something earlier, you have a toolbox for coping and alcohol. Like that's, I had just turned 21. Yeah. And so that was like my only tool. Like, at, But at that time, like 21, like you're supposed to, I keep knocking my mic. You're supposed to go and drink. You're supposed to go have fun with your friends. And like, it, it was so bad that I like switched friends throughout the week mm-hmm. so that like, I didn't have to bring someone with me six days. I would like rotate. Yeah. So you had it's like, so bad. and then most of the nights, like, I don't know how I got home. Most of the nights I'm like, I don't remember who I talked to, who I saw other than what was on my camera roll, taking yeah. pictures. Yeah. And that's embarrassing to say, but it's, that's, that's what alcohol does. Like you think it's one way, but in reality it is not. Yeah. 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 And yeah, at the age of 21, you don't have a lot of, of, you know, we all have, it's hard to grow up and I believe wholeheartedly, my parents did the absolute best that they could do with what they had. And we, as, as our generation, we're so lucky because we are expanding this personal development and this, you know, reaching your best self moment Mm -hmm. that there's so many resources now for us to take advantage of, to really dig deep. But back then it was, there wasn't like a whole lot out there at the time. Yeah. It's definitely easier, I think, to find mm-hmm. than what it was. It may have been there, but you would have never Mm-mm. known or it would have taken a long time to find it. When you look back, who helped you through that process other than your husband? Um, so I would say during that time, my best friend, Brittany, I don't know why. Every time I bring her up in specific, I'll get really emotional because she, so she lives far away from me. She lives in Michigan. But that's we close use, to me. If, wait, where are you at? In Michigan. Oh, wait, where are you at in Michigan? <laughs> I'm just north of Grand Rapids. We're in Rock. No way. So she lives yeah. in Plainwell. I'm going to go meet your BFF. Right. <laughs> um, so it sounds very stalkerish. I won't really. <laughs> I'll give you her name. <laughs> I'll give you her address after. Um, <laughs> we, anyway, we. So, Brittany, it, right? Brittany, we uh-huh. use this app called Marco Polo. Have you ever heard of it? Do you use it? No. It's really cool because it's like sending a text message, but in video form. So you kind of like are video chatting just back and forth through messages instead of texting. Okay. And she really helped me because I, I remember even I can go back, which is cool. I can go back in this app and listen to and look at messages that I sent her where I would say, I know I need to stop. I just don't know how. And she would talk me through things. And I told, I asked her and my husband and my mom in specific, whenever I decided like this was it, that I need you to hold me accountable. When I say I want to drink, I need you to hold me accountable and say, no, Mm -hmm. no, you can't do it. And without them, like, especially my husband, because he lived with me. And so he was able to really be like a heavy support for me. But without them, I wouldn't have been able to do it because I wasn't strong enough to not give in to the temptation there is so much 
importance around accountability for a lot that we have in this life that I think, you know, with my addiction in specific, I can see the importance of accountability so much because when you feel, when I, if I would feel shame for disappointing someone that I really love, I wouldn't want to do that. And that held me accountable, not only for myself, but because I wanted also my loved ones to be proud and to, to really tell me, no, we, we're not going to do that. Like you told me this was your goal and we're going to hold you to it. I, I love it. Now you also said your dad is sober for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is that like for you being sober? So that if it's three, so you've been sober for a year and then your dad decides to get sober. So what, what's that like once you're on this side of the fence, watching somebody else join you? Um, it is amazing because I never thought that I would see the day that my dad would be able to be sober. And, you know, I feel proud of him. I feel proud of both of my parents. We, uh, I just got married in October and at my wedding reception, we, we all celebrated sober. We didn't drink. When we got back to the house and at the end of the night, I said, how fun was tonight? We didn't have to drink and we still had like so much fun. And my dad hugged me and said, thank you to me. And that was, uh, that was a really big moment because I look at it as the buck stops here. I can't, what one thing that really I have to give major credit to is my future children. They hold me accountable every day because I don't want to pass this torch on to somebody else. Obviously, there's so much that's out of my control when it comes to my children and their lives. But as long as I know that I'm doing everything that's within my control to prevent them from becoming alcoholics or addicts, then I know that I did my job as a parent. So also with my dad watching him as his daughter, again, I have things in my toolbox that when it comes from his generation, they didn't have. And so So with him going and being able to do this, him going to therapy when, you know, in his generation, there's so much stigma that is surrounding getting mental help over things and him doing this, not only mainly for himself, but then also for our, our family. And it has strengthened our family unit so much. I would say one of the biggest questions that I get on my page is how do I support someone that is going through addiction right now? And I would say that you have to remember you cannot control another person that the more that you can be uh, an inspiration to someone and you show up and you be a good role model that's the best way to inspire someone because I was able to show my dad 
it is possible. You can do this. You can still live a fulfilled life and you can still be fun and be funny without alcohol. I love that you're talking about leading by example, because that, I mean, as much as we're talking about addiction, it does go to so many other things Mm -hmm. like with your children or your parenting or in business, like you can't, you can't control anyone else. You Mm -hmm. can only control you. And I love that you said that. And I'm super proud of you for being that example for your dad. That is amazing. And just think about your wedding. And I got all choked up in my, almost ruined my eye makeup. (laughs) Ruined the eye makeup. (laughs) Uh, But just thinking about like, like visioning what that must've been like to know, like he was sober, you were sober. You could have so much fun and enjoy it and remember it. Yeah. That's the hardest part for me when I think about all of my drinking is how much I really don't remember. Like I don't It's a lot. And that's I, it's funny that you say that. So, um, the, her name is Celeste Young. The ultimate mom challenge is her Instagram, um, handle, but she, morphed her Instagram because she got sober. So it started out with like funny mom memes and all this stuff too. Now she really focuses on sobriety. And she had a reel that she posted yesterday that said, how ironic is it that we drink a mind numbing substance for some of our most memorable moments in life? And I thought, wow, that is so true. Because one of my biggest fears in, in getting sober was that I was going to miss out on all of this fun without alcohol. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Now, like I think about the, my wedding, that was the thing that I was the most afraid of. Like, I'm not going to be able to drink at my wedding. What the heck? Like, that's the night that like everybody is get like drinks and has fun. And I remember every single moment of that day, I was so present with my family, with my husband's family. And it was so much fun. See, you could do it my way. I was six months pregnant when we got married. So I was also you so were, more Yes. <laughs> you remember every moment too. Uh, yeah. I don't recommend that way. I mean, <laughs> six months pregnant way, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, um, I think that that's one of the things I would say would always hold me back from not drinking. Like I want to drink because everybody else is, and I want to be enjoying the night like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think really just that idea of I'm going to miss out if I don't, Mm -hmm. you posted a reel. If you want to talk about reels, you posted a reel. I don't remember when it was a couple weeks ago, last week. I don't remember when it was now it's going to drive me nuts. But you posted a reel that was just like um, the question of, oh, you don't drink, you know, yeah. that reel. Yeah. Um, what was, what inspired that one? Oh my gosh. You can explain so, it better than I am. So I, as a, as a person in sobriety, I can't tell you. So I'm one to say, I want to preface this with. When I was in active addiction and I was drinking, I was so guilty of doing this to people. I think back at past conversations that I had with people whenever I was drinking because I wanted a drinking buddy. I wanted Uh someone that was going to hang out, that would stay up, that would drink as much as I was. 
and I would buy shots for people when they didn't want drinks. I was obnoxious. I'm totally obnoxious. And I would do the same thing. If someone said, oh no, I'm not drinking. I'd be like, you don't drink. Like, how do you live? How do you have fun? Like, what are you like? What a, what a loser you are. And now in recovery, I realize how hard that is, especially for someone that is newly in recovery. When someone really presses that, you already feel so isolated whenever you are, I'd say like under a year under your belt or some people even longer. I'll have women reach out and they'll tell me that they're three years sober and they still haven't told their family yet because it's something that their family wouldn't support or that they would get judged for. And there's, I think as a society, just so we can be more inclusive, because at the end of the day, there's so many reasons why people don't drink there. They could have a health condition. Mm -hmm. They could be pregnant, religious reasons. And so if someone just asks for a water or a soda at an event, um, I know for me, if I say I'll have a water, they'll say, okay, but what do you want to drink? And I'm like a water. And they're like, Mm -hmm. you don't drink alcohol. And for some people, I, my goal is a lot of people have a problem with the word alcoholic. I personally want to change that. I proudly say that I am an alcoholic because I went through things that are really, really hard. And I'm proud of where I I came from because every single decision that I've made, even if it was crappy, the night that I was drinking and driving and I flipped my truck, these like terrible things that I've been through in my life, they've made me who I am today. They've made me the person that I am. And so I don't wanna wish those away because then I wouldn't have learned hard lessons and, have a very strong willpower that I do right now. So I will tell people if they, if they keep pressing in their heart about it, I'll say, I'm an alcoholic. And then they're like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) oops. (laughs) But I want, like, I want them to be like, it's not a big deal. Like I just, I can't drink, I can't drink alcohol. And that's why I I can't control my alcohol. So I'll just say water or whatever. It'd be the water that I asked for. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if people are more mindful and that's like the goal, because again, like rewind back four years, I was that person. So I don't think that, I don't think less of someone that does it. I don't think less of someone that is pressing that issue because we're still, people are still learning. This is something new that people are just now learning that it's not appropriate to press those kinds of questions. And I think the more people know, the better, and we can be more inclusive in social settings for everybody. I agree. All right. So let's, let's shift uh, topic a little bit here, because I want to talk about your Instagram and Mm -hmm. just um, like what advice or tips or pointers do you have for anybody growing their Instagram and then to follow that up, I would also like to hear about some recent opportunities um, that you've been given. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so the biggest piece of advice that I could give someone that is in there trying to grow their Instagram is that fail forward. Everything that I've done in my social media is I have I have tried I have failed and then I got back up and I did it again. If you look at 
reels that I did when reels first came out. They're cringy. I didn't know what I was doing there, but they're still there. They, they, they helped me learn to get to the point where I am now, which is still isn't perfect. I'll never be a perfect person in any facet of my life because we're constantly evolving and we're constantly learning. As long as you're trying, you're not failing. And so keep trying and keep showing up and be consistent. And I promise you, it will pay off. You just have to not give up on your dream. I'm I'm writing that down as you go. As long as you're trying, you're not failing. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, except for I wrote it wrong. As long as you're not, no, as long as you're not trying, as long as you're trying. <laughs> Let me get that right. And yes. Recent opportunities. Yeah. Because I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You were able to take your personality and your life and your story and build your, your account. And now you're getting opportunities, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to spoil it. Go ahead. Tell. Okay. So again, this goes back to, I love how you said you're being yourself. The more authentic that you can be, the people want to see your, your quirks and like, you're, we're all weird. Like we all have really weird things about ourselves. Like I eat, my husband calls it prison ramen because I don't even like, I don't like eating like at the very good a delicious Vietnamese. Like I still love Vietnamese noodles, but whenever I say like my favorite food in the whole entire world is ramen, it's like the blocks that are like 15 cents at the grocery store. And (laughs) I will post, I started posting and sharing about it. And now it's like a part of who I am. Like people will send me pictures of like their five-year-old, like cheesing with like chicken flavored ramen. All of the time I get people sending me ramen recipes, ramen, all of this ramen stuff. I'm known as like the ramen girl. Um, but show so those weird things about you that of all aren't the things, Jenna, ramen of all Baby of the ramen. things. My husband, he asked me one time, if you, if you were on death row, what would your last meal be? I said, beef ramen. Clearly he said, you would be eating that the whole entire time you were in prison. I was like, I don't care. It would still be my last meal. Oh, that's so funny. All the things for people to be like, hey, this reminds me of Jenna. This this reminds me of you. But whenever you're able to show up, because it's really like, it's my favorite because really whenever I was growing up, I would stay a lot at my grandma's house and my grandma, God bless her. She's a single woman. She is independent. She has been independent her whole life. She cannot cook absolutely anything but ramen noodles. And so I would eat them every single time I spent the night at her house. Cause it was the only thing she could cook. So it's like the MSG and it kind of reminds me of home combined. Yes. It's great. <laughs> but um, yeah, the okay, more so they, being, being authentic, be authentic, yes. show up as yourself no matter what it is, because people like you're, you will naturally attract people that are like-minded to you. And they'll feel that they'll feel that authenticity. Yes. Um, so the, I found that the more that I showed up in the more that I was consistent, you know, I think about January of 2020, I started out with around a thousand Instagram followers, but I, 
made it a goal. I said, by the end of, by the end of 2020, I want to have 10,000 followers. And it took me educating myself on Instagram and learning about um, how to use hashtags and presets and these things to where now all of that information I feel like is archaic because that was at the beginning of 2020 when there wasn't reels or these other Mm -hmm. ways to boost yourself. So use using reels helps so much using reels will help immensely with anybody that wants to grow a following um and now now that i've have put myself out there and i have natural organic growth i have people that i worked really hard and they follow me not because i bought them or i i mm-hmm. paid for anything they're there because they want to be there companies have reached out and Um, I would say probably the coolest, let's think, well, the, one of the coolest things I got to do was, um, yesterday, actually, was it yesterday? Yeah. I got interviewed, um, for an international food and beverage festival and they interviewed me as a sober influencer and, asked me what if I could change something about the current landscape what would I change and my interview will be played for every major beverage corporation in the world and I got to talk about the gap that is there with non-alcoholic options meaning when I go to we went to dinner the other night and a restaurant had three pages of cocktails that you could choose from beers wines you know mixed drinks and there was nothing there that was non-alcoholic that I could, you could go to the kids menu, right? <laughs> Apple juice, milk. Don't. So I just to change that because if I want something that I, I still want a fancy drink that I want to yeah. have and celebrate with people, I have to, I have to special request it. I have to pull the waitress over and say, Hey, I want to have this, but can you take out the gin or can you take out the vodka in it? where there are so many small businesses that are, they see the gap, small businesses see the gap already and they're filling it in. You're seeing companies pop up all of the time that are doing mocktails, non-alcoholic cocktails that you can buy in a can Mm -hmm. or in a bottle. And, but you haven't seen a bigger distributor step up and say, outside of an O'Doul's or, you know, a Heineken Zero that they have now to say, okay, we're going to provide something because I think in their viewpoint, the world is so obsessed with alcohol that I think they, they might have a fear if they put something out there, not a lot of people will bite on, but there are people craving it and looking for it. Um, So I think that's probably the coolest opportunity I've ever gotten, but I've gotten to partner with Reed's ginger beer, which was really cool because I do like mocktail videos of mock, call them mocktail mules. My I love drink. it. Mocktail mules. <laughs> mocktail mules. And um, yeah, I think those, that, that, I think that is too. a amazing opportunity. Yeah. Like you're getting in the ears of some of those way up there people and they yeah. go, Oh yeah, we're missing a whole market. Well, obviously, you know, Budweiser, they sell beer. Their moneymaker is beer. Yeah. Why would they try and make something that's not really beer? Right. Yeah. But they have a whole market of people that they have a whole market of people. Yeah. 
That's come, come after, come after me, Budweiser. I'll be your, uh, I'll be your non-alcoholic girl. Just show me to the Clydesdales, okay? Just show me there. <laughs> Let me have on one of those. <laughs> I love it. So I think what's cool is like just, just your story at, and how you're taking what you've experienced in your life and being authentic and being you and, and be willing to kind of pull that curtain back and show people like, Hey, this is what, this is what I struggled with. This is how I've overcome it. And here I am. Um, and then because people saw this is the real you, they're able to say, yeah, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. Now it's giving you all these other opportunities, which is so cool. And it's encouraging, I think for a small Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> say, oh, okay. Well, as long as I keep going, we'll make it, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I have, um, I'll send you this thing that I have afterwards that Instagram came out with like this they sent it to like higher up influencers that they um, gave them a way to get boosted in the algorithm. And then some, you know, cause people can't keep secrets. And so it got like leaked out and I'll tell you, I've been following their guidelines and their rules that they've laid out and it totally works. So <laughs> I, and I'll let everybody know. So it's like three to four reels a week that they um, are looking for three stagnant posts and then two to 10 stories. And one I have no problem with stories. I have no problem with, I mean, posting sometimes I'm like, okay, should I just do a single post? Should it be a carousel? Like, because I have have ideas galore. So I can post, I can post 15 times a day, but it doesn't mean, you know, that everybody wants me 15 times a day. Um, But it's the reels because like we we talked about before we started recording just the amount of time um, that it takes to edit a reel in my world. I'm like, I, I need to get better at it. I need to practice because I know like when I was editing podcasts, yeah. like obviously that when I first started editing it, there's a learning curve, but now I'm like, Oh, zoom, 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 done, yeah. right. So I know that'll happen with reels too, but yeah, um, you've got it. If you need any coaching, you let me know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will always accept it. Um, okay. One other thing before we go, um, you, we've, we've talked about it a few times. I want to talk about toolbox for coping. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a little description of that. So you yeah. said the only thing in your toolbox for coping was alcohol. Yeah. What do you have in your toolbox now? Um, that's such a good question. So I now really, when I get into stressful moments, A, the first thing that I do, because I have to take, the emotion still comes up the same way. And I will get like, really like, almost like a burning feeling in my chest. And then I'm like, you know, frustrated or stressed. So the first thing that I do is pray. The first thing that I do is I just ask God to take some of my worries away or I'll pray, honestly, what has been working a lot lately is I'll think about, because we can, anytime that you're on social media, or if you just know someone personally in your life, you see people that are going through stuff that's unimaginable compared to, you know, that I had to pay like high in my taxes this year. We'll get, that's a thing that I was recently stressed out about, but if I pray for someone else, it really also just, it takes that away that like anger away. Um, 
I'd say that's the first thing that I have in my, in my tool chest, because when you feel God does take some of that, I mean, it depends on, I am religious. I was atheist before I got sober. I completely didn't believe in anything. And then once I got sober, I was able to see that God had been with me the whole entire time that I was struggling. And um, so now I have a great relationship with God. Um, and then the next thing would be is even just to go out and I'll just like take a walk or um, take a drive. So I'm focused on something outside of the situation. My husband and I, I, God bless my husband because he is an amazing human being. We went to, (laughs) we went home to see family recently and we decided to drive halfway, stay at this beautiful Airbnb. I was so excited. Talk about content. I'm like, I'm going to knock out so much content in this Airbnb. It was breathtaking. We drive four and a half hours to this Airbnb and I'm like, okay, we're going to dinner. I'm going to like do my makeup really quick so I can film something. And then I'm like, where's my floral bag? My husband's like, what floral bag? I'm like, it has like my contacts, like my medication, um, all of my makeup, anything that I need toiletry wise. He's like, it's on the car. Oh no. So we had to drive back here to our apartment four and a half hours and then back to Harper's Ferry. So something that was supposed to be four and a half hour drive ended up to be like 17 hours. And my husband's like cool as a cucumber, right? Like he's like, okay, well I'm flailing like my body on the ground. Like tears are just, just streaming down my face. I'm throwing an adult temper tantrum. And like my husband's like, okay, well, you know, we got to get back in the car because we have to drive. So you're going to get up off of the floor. And I immediately was like, I, I need to drive, like, let me drive. And in that moment I was driving just like mentally processing things. The first thing that I did was I realized everything around me that I was grateful for. I looked at, we had this beautiful scenery in Harper's Ferry on the drive of the mountains and the streams that were there. I was so grateful for my husband who easily could have been like, you dork, you forgot the whole bag. Like, what are you thinking? Like he was so understanding in that moment. I got to spend quality time with him. Like we were supposed to go to this fancy dinner. I think God had a way of teaching me in that moment. It doesn't matter where you're at. It matters who, who you're with. Absolutely. And we just picked up McDonald's and he, after I had my meltdown and cried and was totally fine. Then he started cracking the jokes about it. And I was able to laugh after that. Um, But we, I think, you know, being grateful, it takes the, the tension that you have in your heart, whether you're stressed or angry, um, it can take that away. And that's kind of what I do now, whenever I need to cope in situations is to take my mind out of that darker place and focus it on something where there's more light. I love it. I think, I know we didn't really, I mean, this is a Christian podcast. We didn't really focus on that part. Um, but I think that's incredible that you're like, Hey, I realized that God was with me. And, um, I love that you, you said not just prayer, but praying for someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important for everyone to remember, like 
we are all going through something. Mm -hmm. We're all struggling with something. And I think as humans, like it's normal for us to think about what we're going through mm -hmm. and how well everybody else is going through. So if you can take that moment to pray for someone else, it just kind of makes your world seem a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you said that. So I absolutely love talking to you. I feel like we could do a part two, a part three. Listen, you let me know when and where. I like had the best time. Thank you so much for having yes. me on. Yes. Um, before you go, let us know where everybody can find you and what yeah. you got going on. Yeah. So yeah. you can find me, um, on Instagram. I'm Jenna Delulio. So it's J E N N A D I L L U L I O. And then recently about two months ago, I launched my website. So you can go to jennadelulio.com and I have a lot of information there as well. Awesome. And then hook, hook up with the makeup too, right? Yes. I have a whole makeup site. So if you need hooked up, I've got videos, I've got products. You let me know. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to the Amy Williams show. For more about this episode or how you can start your own podcast, go check out theamywilliams.com. If you have a moment, would you please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher? It's seriously one of the biggest compliments you could give. Also, come find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok using the handle at the Amy Williams show. Can't wait to see you over there. And don't forget, you are not made for a small life. It's time for you to go after it and live out your purpose. See you next week. <laughs>